And I understand that heaven is that place or that thing that which every one of us wants to go to. I have never heard a person say, I do not want to go to heaven. I've never heard that. Uh, in that, I find that the, I find that in, in wanting to go to heaven, a person would say, even non-Christians would say, I want to go to heaven. I don't know about you, but have you heard of anyone that has ever said, I don't want to go to heaven? Uh, I, I assume by your frigid position that you just won't respond and, uh, to my question. But the fact is, is that uh, we are concerned about and uh, about not wanting or not looking at the facts of heaven. Um, what I'm not sure is why I am not working, but I'm not working. So let me just unplug this one more time and get that to go there. And it should want to come up. Oh, the joys of living. I have no clue. Do we have a technician here that can bail us out? I am hooked up correctly, but it does not want to. Everything should be a go down here. We got something. We'll need to bring that screen in just a little bit closer. I didn't want to stand so close to you anyhow. All right. Here's the, here's the picture of heaven. The, the idea is, as Christians, we know we're going to heaven. It's a matter of knowing, right? Whew, wow. Um, yeah, it is a matter of knowing we're going to heaven. We have that security blanket that we are going to heaven. But I found out this a, few, a little while ago, looking at some verses in the Bible. I didn't know much about heaven. I didn't know how to, to look at heaven. I didn't know a lot of questions about heaven. So I took that initiative of doing a study. And when I looked at it, I found these verses. And I am assuming perhaps you've already read them. The thing is about heaven is that there's going to be no sun there. We're not going to need the sun, the moon. We're not going to need things in heaven because God will be. Jesus Christ will be the light and that is so important that I found that, wow, heaven is something to look forward to. Then what we find in this, and we've, I found out we're doing this study. By the way, my studying was not an independent, private study. I simply took material from other people doing research on heaven. And these are some notes about heaven. It is taking the ideas and, and brought them down, I trust, within a few minutes that we have. But did you know that heaven, or words that mean the same, there are 718 of them in the Bible. Now, I did not sit down and go, one, two, three. I did not do that. This is a matter of someone doing this studying and doing that research for whatever. He had lots of time in his hand, but praise the Lord for it, is that 118 times heaven is mentioned in the Bible. Now, when God says something once, it's important. But if God says it twice, it's very important. But if he wants to spend commenting and giving reference to heaven 700 times, do you think it's important? I think it is. And it, the joy of knowing that. Now, here's a little research. Um, I, I went on Google and did some, some fun here. And I found out this, that the world's population today is that nice number. What is that? 100,000 million billion, 7 billion people plus. Right, right? All right. Did you note this? 
in the world's death in 2014 was 57 million people died in 2017, uh, 2014. If that is true, my question comes out, how many are in heaven? Now, you and I think in the world that we're in, Mississauga, I think about St. Catharines. Uh, we think about that and say, okay, there's X number of people here, and man, there's a few that people die. But in the world, we have 57 million people die in a year. How many of those people are in heaven? Now, there's a verse in the Bible that tells me that there's not that many of that number that get to heaven. We'll talk about that in a second. Now, here's my research. I found this, and you can read this better than I can, so I'm not going to go and read it all through to you. But there's some questions I had in my mind is where is heaven? Who created heaven? Uh, uh, how was heaven created and when? Go down the whole list down to here. Would heaven be boring? Um, all different things about heaven. And in the study, I found the answers to these questions. Now, obviously, this morning, if we wanted to stay here for approximately 11 hours, we could cover all these topics in my little research. I certainly have not covered the thing in detail. But just the little things that I've tried to gather, I've got about 10 to 11 hours of material that talks about all these elements. My, my purpose today is simply to talk about some of them and, and one of them, though, there has to be a qualification to get to heaven. Now, this is my simple way. Now, you guys are so mature. You're way over my head. However, will you bear with me to show my simple way of teaching the gospel? There's a young man with a burden on his back, and he needs a crutch of the world to survive and when this young man comes uh, in the world, he wants to know Jesus Christ as Savior. He's heard about him. He's heard about heaven. But he wants to go to heaven, but he doesn't know how. However, what he has found this, that when he comes to Jesus Christ, when he comes to the cross, accepts the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, what happens to him is that he can have his sins forgiven. And having his sins forgiven, he loses that pack sack of sin. He has left that on the cross of Christ. He has left it because Jesus says, I will take your sins from you if you'll come to the cross and allow me to do so. I died on the cross for that purpose. The crutches of the world I don't need anymore because Jesus Christ can be my support system. So after I've asked Jesus Christ and I'm on my way to heaven to wash my sins away, then what I find out that I have the power over sin. I no longer have to sin. Do I sin? Yes, that is possible. And that is something that we may do. However, we can have the power over sin. Secondly, what we can have is we have the Holy Spirit instantly coming to live with inside me. And he's inside every born again Christian. Something else that we have, we have life, um, we have guidance through life. We have that guidance that God hands out. We learn the purpose of life. We learn the things that God says, listen, I have a structure for you. I have a design for you. You have the nose that you've got. You have the hair that you've got. You've got the feet that you've got. You've got whatever it is that you've got. I gave it to you so that you have a purpose. And if you come to know me as personal Savior, that purpose will come true. You believe it? The thing is, I bump into so many people, and I'm one of them, is, is that they don't like who they are. When they look in the mirror, they, they look at God and say, God, if you only did this. And may I suggest, when you look in the mirror, thank God for this. Try it. It's amazing how hard it is to look in the mirror and say, thank you, God, for making me this way. I told you that maybe morning the last time I was here about my hair lip. I was born with a hair lip. I was cut right up into my nose or there was the opening of my lip right into my nose. And, and, and I went in for surgery as a young boy and they corrected it. And over the years, my lip doesn't look like yours. My lip didn't look like my girlfriend, now my wife. And I was concerned that there's no way this woman would ever want to kiss this wrinkly mouth. I never did. 
And then there came a time when my wife's girlfriend then says, I don't even know that you have that funny, quote, I used lip. God gave us what we have for a reason. God has allowed you to be whatever it is. You say, I, I have a, I don't know, is it a broken leg this morning? A broken arm? God allowed that to happen to guide you, to teach you, to help you, to strengthen you, to be the person he wanted you to be. Are you excited about that? Uh, uh, listen, young people, he gave you your parents. He gave you the guardian of your life simply so that you can have or find the purpose that God wants. I bump into all the time young people, especially at camp, that say, oh, my parents are this and my parents is that. But that is structuring them. Please don't step aside from God's structure. Not only do we have that, we have security in Christ. And that is something that's very important to me. I mean, I have a job, or I had a job, that was very secure. And, and, and it was very, it would be absolutely difficult to get out of my job, outside quitting, but I'm, I'm talking about being thrown out of my job. I was very secure in my job. I enjoyed that security. My son, by the way, is an architect in the States, and, and he's in a, a huge company. And he says, Dad, I make great money. But he says, making great money today simply means I'm closer to the door than the other guy over there. Where's the security today? It must be in Jesus Christ because there's no security in the world. So now we have protection. The protection that we have is in Jesus Christ. And yes, I have fallen and broken my leg. I've broken my collarbone. I've done this and I've done that. But God says, listen, I protected. There were things that could have happened that didn't happen. God says, listen, I'm guiding you. I'm protecting you. Are you confident in his protection? Last but not least, I have eternal life in heaven. Now, this is the topic of the day. I have a future. And so do you, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I got to be careful when I say I'm excited about this because people misuse that word excited. But I am excited to know the fact that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, the finished work of Calvary was beyond my expectations and beyond yours, by the way, of what he has for us. Getting into the idea of heaven. Did you know the Bible talks about three heavens? Well, let's look at the three. The first one is the heaven. It's called the atmosphere heaven. Now, by the way, that's my term, just to keep it simple in my brain. And that it's called the atmosphere. And simply, God says in Genesis 1.20, he says, God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth, across the firmament of the, oh, across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God speaks about heaven as where the birds fly. He also says this, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven. You and I know the, the, the snow comes from clouds, right? That is to God, that was a heaven. He spoke of that. The second heaven. It's a solar heaven. In Genesis 1, 14 to 17, God says this, Let there be light in the firmament of the heavens, to divide the day from night. And he made the stars also. I mean, I mentioned this again the last time, but I am excited about the fact that I, I, I believe in a God that says, listen, I put in the, uh, in the heavens, I put a sun and a moon. Oh, yeah, and I put the stars in place. <laughs> I mean, come on. Do you realize how many stars there are? And God says, I put them in place. It's like simple, but it's complete. And every time we get a new telescope, and the bigger the telescope, we find that there are more and more and more stars. Now, to me, that has got to make me smile. That's got to make me kind of joy, have joy inside. Because God says, listen, in the heavens, I have simply put the light there. I have had and I have implied the stars also. He set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light to the earth or on the earth. Now, there's a third heaven. 
And this third heaven, God speaks of it. This is where he lives. Now, let's get it right now. Up there where the clouds are, God speaks of that as being heaven. Above that, in the universe beyond us, he speaks of that being heaven. And then God says this in 2 Corinthians 12. He mentions this. I know a man in Christ who caught up in the third heaven. He was caught up into paradise. There are those that will interchange the word paradise as being heaven. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let the light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Where is God today? He's above all things. He's above the universe, if you like. He's above the clouds. But here's one thought. God is so great. He's so huge. But he can live inside you and I. Now, you got, your, you got your mind around that one? I haven't. How God can be so great, so big, so strong, so mighty, so holy and so righteous, but he can be in the whole universe, and not only can he talk to this person there over in Africa or over in Asia, but he can be here in, in Mississauga, and he can be here all at one time. Psalm 11.4 says, The Lord's throne is in heaven. Jesus said, Surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I'm sure that you know the story. In Luke 16, we find a story that applies a little bit of information about heaven. So let's look at that for a couple seconds. The information we want to talk about is about this rich man and poor man. Now, the story goes this way. Uh, there's three parts to it in, in, in my simple little mind. Three parts. Life of two men, the death of the two men, and the, the places involved after death of the two men. Are you with me? Let's go back to the first one. The first one uh, is the, the man was, lived a good life. He was the rich man. And in that, he lived this life, and he simply said this. Listen, he had all the royalty... He had all the pleasures of life. He had all the things. He had servants. He had all those. You know the story. And what he had is this. The other person, who is a poor man, uh, he was sick, hungry, and dogs licked his sores. You see the contrast? It is a major contrast. And we'll explain a little bit more in detail. Uh, something that I didn't notice until I think it was this morning. I never, I, I just, it just didn't click in. Did you, in the Bible, uh, it talks about, and he, they laid him there. Now, I didn't notice that before. I read this story several times to prepare this and in the studying, but I, it implies that that man was so sick, so poor, so, so unable to move that they had to, they laid him there. An interesting thought. Let's continue. So we have the two men alive, two opposites of life. And then the poor man, Lazarus, was buried. Now, the Bible doesn't say so. History implies. So if you are in depth in the scripture and in depth in history, uh, talk to me. Because what I found was that any poor person that was a reject of the society were dumped in the dump. There was no funeral as such for them. There was no burial ground for them. They were the rejects and they were just put aside. And the, the reference material indicates that they will use the word dump. That place outside the city, down in a valley where they dumped all their waste. The rich man. Uh, he was buried and he had a great funeral. Now we think, again, we do not we do not know specifically about this rich man, but a funeral could last seven days. And in that funeral, there would be all kinds of guests and the family would be there. Again, look at the opposites of these two men. The place involved. Well, there was Abraham's bosom, if you like, paradise. The second place was Hades, a place of torment. And then the other place between the two, a great gulf fixed. The Bible tells us 
that there is no way after you die, there is no way if you end up in heaven, you say, hey, I don't like this place. I want to go to hell. You can't do it. And by the way, the truth of the word says you can't do it anyhow, right? But you, you don't have that choice. And you couldn't make that choice. Also, if you were in hell and you wanted to go to heaven, which really now I want to show you is an important point, is that you can't because of this great gulf fixed. There is a void between heaven and hell. Lazarus, the poor man, goes to paradise. Now, if you happen to have your Bible open, and you don't need to open your Bible, but if you happen to have your Bible open, uh, who takes him to heaven? Did anybody happen to read that and know who takes the poor man to heaven? The who? Jesus, or the actual word is used is the angel. Right. Now, I had to stop right here and spend some time getting my brain around the fact that the moment I die, I'm going to be ushered, carried, gone with an angel to heaven. Now, there's an escort I don't mind having. That is not an insult to my wife. She's escorted me since we've been 13 years old, and I'm not going to criticize that an iota. But I'll tell you, this is one escort that uh, it goes a little bit beyond. Right? That we're going to be escorted to heaven. I held my father's hand when he died. The moment my father died, his hand twitched. And the nurse came over and she says, I'm sorry, but your father has died. And I went, yes. I didn't mean to be, I didn't mean to be critical or whatever, but yes, my father is now in heaven. And the nurse had no clue what was going on because here I am, yes. And I, I didn't look at her face to see, but I'm sure it wasn't, it would be more like, what is this guy all about? By the way, I held my mother's hand too. And, and as I was holding my mother's hand, there was no reaction at all, except I looked up at her and, and there was no more breathing. And I did the same thing again. Yes. It is great to know now, to know that my mother was not just isolated and she went to heaven on her own. How fast that trip would be, I don't know, but I know it is a twinkling of an eye, right? Well, that's still a trip. And in that trip, she was guided by an angel. The rich man goes to Hades. Like I mentioned, in both places, there is no return. Someone has put together, now you folks know well enough that there were no cameras back there, that this is some man's image or idea of what hell would look like and what heaven would look like. Uh, the, the emphasis here mainly is that the man in hell is in torment. They use the flames around him to tor show torment. The man is not consumed. The man is there. And I want to go through a couple things that the Bible talks us about. That man, when we don't go to heaven because of a choice we made, there is some serious, serious problems. But let's just look at it for a second. Misery is in the flames. Now, I don't know about you, but I put my hand close to a flame and I've been able to pull my hand back when it got too hot. But according to what the emphasis here is, is that it's like a lake of fire. It is a lake of fire. When you put your hand in, I can pull my hand back if it gets too hot. But at the same time, in there, in hell, I will not be able to get my hand back. My hand will be in torment. My body will be in torment. My mind and soul will be in torment. And I will be there and I will never, never, never get away from that torment. That doesn't sound good news to me. The rich man is now the beggar. You see what I'm trying to say? Because it's going to come up here in a second. The beggar is now rich in luxury. We'll call it heaven, if you like. The rich man is an everlasting a misery for this reason. Here's why I believe... The word misery is there or torment is there because of this. Well, okay, let me cover this first. 
What determines their destination or what did determine their destination? The rich man chose to live in his luxury, live with servants, live with all the things he had. He rejected certain things. He rejected Jesus Christ, right? And that placed him, because of that rejection of Jesus Christ, that placed him in that place that was only designed for Satan. But what happened to the rich man? That rich man, while he was alive, he simply, for whatever the reason, whatever happened, he believed in what God had done, what God was doing. He believed in his faith in God, if you like. And that determines where he is. And by the way, we're the same boat today, is it not? You can decide all you want, make all the decisions you want, but there's one decision you better make and make it straight. And don't make a mistake on it, and that is making a decision for Jesus Christ. You know lots of people that have rejected Jesus Christ, right? Isn't that sad? I don't think I have this slide. I may have showed it the last time I was here uh, about um, George Burns. Y'all remember George Burns? Now, you young people haven't got a clue who I'm talking about. But we older ones, you remember George Burns? He was quite a, a comedian uh, on television. And, and he was quite a guy. But you know what he said at the very end of his life? He was 94 years old. And he made this statement. I, I, I hope I can get it right. Uh, he made this statement that he believed that heaven would be boring, so he has chosen hell. There's a man that was worth thousands and thousands, perhaps even millions of dollars as, a, as an actor and as a comedian. And he rejected Jesus Christ. And it was only a year later, I believe, a year later that the man died. I don't know if he changed his mind or not, but that is recorded in an interview on television of a statement that he made. Heaven will be boring. And he's not interested in going there. Wow. Hell, a place of memories. Now, in the verses below now I'll be talking about, a reason why I put places of memories is this reason. The rich man spoke, and he spoke out, and he said, Will you please go tell my brothers? Indicating that he knew how to be saved. He indicated knowing how he could be in heaven. So the idea is that he missed the opportunity, and he knew it. Now, have you ever missed an opportunity and wished you had taken it? Don't you feel a little bit sad inside? I'm talking about something that's good. This man in hell recognized that he missed the opportunity. Something else. He saw what they have in heaven. He was able to look across this great gulf fixed. And he was able to see something else. He sees what he's missing. That's almost a repeat, right? A place of mourning. He, he simply... <laughs> I can just imagine, I have been hot in my day of, of the sun beating down on me. I had work to do, and, and I had this and that, and, and I had to keep on working. Uh, and the, uh, I was an auto mechanic, and my, my coveralls were on, and the last thing I needed was another set of clothes on top of my clothes on a real hot day, and working on someone's car. And I can remember that. <laughs> it's a place of mourning. It's a place that we simply can't get over. By the way, when 5 o'clock came, I was able to take my coveralls off and head home, get a shower and retrieve and enjoy what life was. But this place will not be of that nature. The rich man implied in Scripture here, he had all his faculties. He had his mind there. He knew that his brothers were on earth yet and they hadn't cho chose Christ yet and he wanted that to happen. He also wanted that little drop of water to get on his tongue and he just, just, just had that much. Do you realize how much a drop of water would relieve you from thirst? Think about it. The doctors tell me that I need to have at least eight glasses of water a day. And this man only wanted one little drip off the end of a finger to relieve the agony that he was in. The rich man knew to repent, which we've already mentioned. 
not said, but I took in myself the opportunity to make this statement. The poor man does not see or hear the rich man. Now, in other studies I've tried to do, and I, and I, I certainly didn't accomplish the whole But I do not believe that when we're in heaven, we're able to see what's going on in hell. We're not able to see what's going on on earth, to see the agony of earth being in heaven. Now, help me with that. If you have a a scripture reference that can give me a hand with that, I certainly would appreciate it. But the implication here is that the poor man is simply looking, but he is not looking at what is happening in hell. Oh, isn't that great to know? For me, it is. That well, this life will be over and I will have a smile on my face. I'll be in the presence of God. I'll have Jesus Christ with me. They'll be there together face to face. And I'll not know the agonies of life and or hell. How many are aware of the two roads and two destinies? Yeah, I mean, nobody? Okay. I was raised on this chart. Oh, you, oh okay. I, I was raised on this chart of two roads and two destinies. And, and, and on your chart here, it simply shows you and I today, today. You and I can be anywhere on this road. On the Broadway, we were born right here. Mine was September to 29th, 19... Oh, it's so hard to say. 40. And, and 1940, I was born here. Now, you have your own birthday right there. There came a time... Uh, when I had another birthday and I accepted the narrow way going from the broad way onto the narrow way. That is my testimony. I was 10 years old when I made this choice of getting off the broad way and going on the narrow way. My mother sat me up on a little counter in the kitchen and after Sunday school and she said, have you ever thought about being saved? And my answer was No. And she said, would you like to be saved? Because it's important that you would. And she counseled me through over a few minutes. And the decision was that I wanted to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. But did you know that on the broad way or the narrow way, this life is going to be simply, it's going to end. But however, let me get this verse in first. In Matthew 7.13 says, Broad and easy is the way that leads to destruction, and those that enter it are many. May I suggest the easy here is that when we are born, we, did, we made no choice to be born. It was, we were simply born. And living on this road then, we are here. It's just because we're born. And we're on that road. And being on that road, being on that road, then what will happen is this. Because narrow is the gate and hard is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. May I suggest the hard. I, to get on this road, must accept the finished work of Calvary and forget myself. I need to give up me. Frank Sinatra saying, do it my way. Right? Oh, you wouldn't know who Frank Sinatra is. Okay. At my... my, Hard is the way. The reason being, we cannot do it my way. We cannot do it the way we want to. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. And I tell you, for some people, that is not easy. To give up who you are, what you are, and give yourself to Christ, that is a job to do. Someone quoted this, that grace is free, but what a price it cost Jesus Christ. And it also costs you and I a price to give up ourselves and live for him. Of course, there comes a time when this life will be over. It's going to end. And what we have next is this wonderful thing called death. I have never enjoyed looking forward to it. I have always in my younger days, I've always said, Lord, you know, you can always hold it off just for a little while. I I haven't got all the cars that I'd like to have. I haven't got the tires. I haven't got this and I haven't got that. I haven't got my teaching career done yet. I, 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 and I'm sure God was just listening to me. (laughs) There comes, it's appointed unto man once to die. That is something that every one of us is going to meet. I realize there is an exception. But then after that, after death, there is a, may I use the word, another life? 
And this life simply has a door that is shut. There is no more. There is no opportunity for you and I to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. That part of our life is done. It is over. We have made a choice while we were alive. And because of that choice, our soul, as we show down at the bottom, our soul will go to that place only made for Satan. But because we refuse Jesus Christ, that's where we will join him. Our bodies will go to a grave. But for you and I that are saved, we will go to heaven. Our souls will go to heaven. Yes, our bodies are in the grave. By the way, my father, by now, more than likely, is, it, it, his body is not recognizable. It's been many years since he died. My mother in the same way. But, oh, my father is not there. When I go to the graveyard to kind of just do this and that around the graveyard, um, my sister uh, will go there and she's, oh, she'll talk to dad. And, 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 I, and I find that so difficult, but I need to talk to dad this way. Dad is not there in that ground. I mean, I wouldn't want my father to lay in that cold ground, especially at zero temperature outside with a, uh, six inches of snow. But my dad is not there. That is the exciting thing about it. So then what we have is this. There are things that are going to happen after we die. And I've shortened it up quite a bit to simply say this, that there is going to be that opportunity where those that rejected Jesus Christ and the door that, yeah, rejected Jesus Christ, their future is in this place of the lake of fire. That is so sad to see. It is also true that you and I will be uh, presented to God, if you like, if I can use that word, and we're going to stand before him. And in standing before him, he's going to be talking to us. And it, the joy of the Lord will simply say, listen, I have a new heaven and a new earth. Are you looking forward to it? <laughs> if nothing else, I distrust this morning that I can stimulate your life to simply go home and study more and more about heaven. The place that we're going to. There's a little story. Um, I you may have heard it before, but uh, this illustrates the thing for me. Uh, this wedding that this picture portrays was a $30,000 wedding. It took $10,000 just to put this together in the backyard uh, of this park. The wedding was obviously not a poor man's wedding. Do you get that idea? It is a rich man's wedding. And in that rich man's wedding, there was a photographer who was invited to this wedding. And being invited to this wedding, she was to take all the pictures of the wedding, which she did. She had many, many pictures of the wedding. And then there came time to go into the reception. And at the reception door, as the reception doors opened up, she was able to look inside and see this beautiful room all decorated for the great reception. And there was a man standing at the door and he said to her, where is your ticket, your reservation for the, for, for the, to be here? And, and she says, I have it right here. And she reached into her purse. She couldn't find it. And there was a discussion back and forth. And he said to her, listen, without that reservation, you cannot come in. She said, but I'm the photographer. I have been assigned to do all the pictures. And he says, without that certificate, without that little piece of paper, you cannot enter into this room. There are going to be people who, at the banquet hall of God, are not going to be there. And God is simply going to say, Ah, oh, you had your opportunity. I gave you the way, but you refuse it. You did not go with it. And in the reception of God, you're not going to be there. I call this heaven. By the way, this lady was directed out the back door. What a sad story. A sad three pictures. I trust this morning no one is in that position because you have simply accepted this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You have your ticket? Your ticket is simply what? Jesus, I am a sinner. I have refused you for years. But I now accepted you as the way, the truth, and the life. You have paid the price that God gave sinners to pay. And since I can't pay it, you paid it. Thank you. Are we all here that can say words that are similar to that?
I want to close with this little piece. The one thing that I, because of George Burns, by the way, I wondered whether or not that I would be bored in heaven. And, and so I did a little research with these other study people who'd done all the work, and I just did the typing, etc. But I, I came up with a couple of little things here. Now, by the way, the top one over that, me, it was me in school. Um, I, I had a problem with school, and, uh, or the school had a problem with me. I'm not sure what happened, but I think it's me mostly. But I would be like that person right there. But I just thought it would be something to kick us into the idea that we're simply, are we things that we're doing, boring. And of course, I'd have to question the fact, am I boring you now? Some of you are saying, okay. All right. Uh, what is boring? All right. Uh, I want to go down. There, there's the actual uh, quote. I thought I took this slide out, but I didn't. The man once said, Whoever, uh, whatever the torture of hell is to be, it will be better than the, the boredom of heaven. That is actual George Burns' quote. I quoted it wrong before. I do that all the time. All right. Hell is not boring. It is torment. You will never be bored in hell. (laughs) Put a smile on your face if you're a Christian, because you're not going there. Right? So we we can just simply say, well, for those people over there, it's not going to be boring because it's just torment. And I've never seen a person in torment that can sit back and say, man, am I ever bored? Satan himself will not be smiling. Okay, heaven is not boring. Uh, time on our hands, that's boring. Uh, it, all that's up there is harps and singing. That would be boring, right? Uh, floating on a cloud. Well, by the way, that is not what heaven is. There is no floating on a cloud when you're in heaven. All right, we're, we're well above that, that first heaven that the Bible speaks of. Here's five reasons why we're not boring, or why heaven won't be boring. Heaven is not boring because God is not boring. Let's look at some verses that talk about that. In Psalm 16 and 11, in your presence is the fullness of? Oh, yeah. Another one. At your right hand are the pleasures forevermore. How long is eternity? Forever. I, I love asking kids this. How long is eternity? Forever. Well, how long is forever? Eternity. How long is uh, eternity? Forever. And it goes back and forth. It just, but it just goes on and on and on and on. And, and like I said, the last time I was here, I won't need this watch. And I won't need to watch the clock up there. Oh, it's neat how the time flies. Uh, your joy comes directly from God's hand. God gives, uh, gives us good fun, pleasures, the source of everything. God gives us our gifts and the ability to perform the gifts. Who puts up with who? <laughs> yeah, right. God is the opposite of being boring. So therefore, God is not boring. Let's look at another reason. Heaven is not boring because you will not be boring. Let's look at that one. 1 Corinthians 15 says, You shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and the last trump, the dead will be raised incorruptible and shall be changed. I'm sorry, folks, but this wonderful face that I've got, as ugly as it is, it's not going to be with me when I get there. I'm going to be in the image of God. Oh, yeah, forget this face. Forget this body. But God says, I am going to change you. So I'm not going to be bored because some people look in the mirror and they say, whoa, wow, I'm sorry I looked in the mirror. We don't need that problem. We don't have that problem. Here's some Philippians 3 says the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Oh, yeah. Isn't that neat? No glasses. And this morning I get up and I came here and I got here and I sat down and I couldn't hear anybody saying anything. And, and I reasoned why. I went and forgot my hearing aids in, at the hotel where we're staying. And, and by the way, you can talk all you want and I can't hear you. I can just watch your expression. By the way, actions speak louder than words, so be careful. I may not hear, but I can see. What bores you now is gone. 
There's a lot in that, and I don't have time to expand on it. Heaven is not boring because your friends are not boring. All right? What are the friends? But you have come to the uh, Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and you can read that as well as I can. A company of angels are going to be with us. That is going to be something else. The general assembly will be there. The church of the firstborn uh, who are registered in heaven. That's the New Testament saints. To God, the judge of all is there. To the spirits of just, to the spirits, um, of just men uh, made perfect. That's the Old Testament saints. Jesus Christ, our mediator, will be there. Let me go back. Uh, you're going to be bored? I don't think so. I don't go home to my wife and be bored. She's, now, be careful how I mean this. She's just my wife. I'm going to be in the presence of David, Abraham, Isaac. I, I, by the way, the one question I want to ask David is, David, how did it feel to stand there uh, and, and be able to swing that, that, that thing around and around and around and watch that giant go blambo to the ground? How did it feel? Now, I'm not going to say I'll have that opportunity, but I just think now that is something I want to ask. Heaven will not be boring because our work will not be boring. Our work is simply this. There's a whole bunch of verses that simply say that we are going to serve. We are going to be servants. We are going to be doing, doing. And by the way, I find it difficult to sit down and do nothing. I like being occupied in some way, shape, or form. Eating. No. I just want to be busy. I like being busy. And I'm going to be busy in heaven. There will not be any boring times in heaven. We are going to be servants of God. What is a servant? Well, Matthew 5, 25 says, being a servant, now since you are in heaven, are you going to put your feet up and relax? No, I don't think so. Because God said, well done, good and faithful servant. And now you're in heaven. Well, you just put your feet up. No, I don't think so. We are going to be so excited that we're going to be wanting to serve him in many ways. Entering the joy of the Lord. We can do that now, but it's going to be absolutely phenomenal when we get to heaven. We'll be employed, not bored. Now, I don't know about you, but you like sitting down doing nothing? I mean, maybe after a busy, busy day, you need time to relax. So did Jesus. But do you want to be bored doing nothing? There's nothing worse than you can have people, and I'm going to emphasize young people, having them nothing to do. I lived on a farm when I was a kid, and living on that farm, when I come home from school, it was out to the barn to clean the little troughs where, where the cows were and where the pigs were and where the chicken pen. We had a thousand chickens. And as a young kid of five years old, I was out there. Now, my little shovel was only that big. My rake was very small, but my dad kept us occupied. We were up at five, 6 o'clock in the morning to go to school. Why? We had to get the eggs. We had to get this. We had to get that. It was interesting to be raised. Now when, when it came down to St. Catharines and we moved here and I had our, our children, uh, we lived in the city. And in the city, when they came home from school, how many times can you cut the grass in a week? Uh, how many times can you get this or that? It was interesting to find chores for the kids. You see, being occupied is something that God wants us to be occupied. Boredom can cause nothing but trouble. And by the way, may I make this comment? Boredom can cause the entrance for Satan to do his work. Uh, work free from care, toil, stress, and fatigue. <laughs> Would you like to have that job? I think so. It's an adventure to discover. Building everything that will last forever. I repair a car and I get your car running and you come back five weeks later and say, oh, I got this problem. Uh, the tires are wore out. There's always those repairs, always doing things. But, you know, we're going to do a job that will last forever and we'll enjoy doing it. Our best work is still to come. Are you excited about that? 
I'm going to stop here because I simply hope that we spent the last few minutes inspiring us that we have a future. And this future starts right now. You can have, really, heaven because of Jesus Christ and God the Father, God the Son indwelling in us. We can have that heaven now. The joy of living. Having a focus what to do. Young people, you can have a focus. I talked to a young fellow here just the other day, and, and um, I asked him at our, at our chapel, I asked him, whether, uh, what are you going to plan on doing? He says, I haven't got a clue. And I says, well, what are you doing now to develop what you think you're going to be doing? I have, I'm, I'm really not doing it. I come to church, and I, I do a little few things in Awana, but I don't do anything else. And I, and I felt, wow, how can I encourage this fellow to get involved to find something to do. It may be simply wiping the table off. It may be going around to the pews and, and just, just making it tidy. It may be, I don't know what it could be. But I tell the senior folks at the place where we go to St. Catherine's Place, I tell them, hey, listen, you and I can't do much. The oldest is, I think it's 101. And, and, and they, 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 they don't get bored, I hope not, but they do fall asleep at that age. But anyhow, what happens is this, is that I said, you know, you can work for God right now. When you see a nurse coming and she has that great big long needle <laughs> and she is going to give you the needle of the day, uh, say thank you. When was the last time you said thank you to someone that didn't deserve it? Their act to you, their whatever to you was negative, but you said thank you. It's not easy. But God says, listen, I have a great work for you to do now, and I have a great work for you to do in heaven. And I think if you and I just spend time enjoying God, getting into the word and finding something that you can just enjoy, God says, listen, there's a better life coming. Let's close in prayer. Father, Satan does not like this kind of message. He is very annoyed when we talk about a future so beautiful that he cannot have. It's called heaven. Father, may we be interested as a, a group of people in, the, in a small section in this great city. May we have the desire to walk in a way that would be honoring to you. Because, Father, like we said, we, you know, our, our words can be something, but unless we live it, it, don't, it does not go far. So may we have that desire to live for Christ. And the things that you give us, Father, there may, be, there may not be any Billy Grahams in this room. That's okay. We need to be the person that you have made us. And we can work far beyond a Billy Graham just for you. We pray, Father, for each one of us, youngest to the oldest, that our desire will be is to live for Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.